Good evening. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading Deuteronomy 12 in the NLT. But first and always, you know the drill. We pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for a wonderful day. Thank you for the men's breakfast that I had. And thank you for our initial fellowship of 2024 there. And I try to, um, I want to promote you, Lord. I want to exalt you. I want to use the internet. I want to do something that's fun. I don't, I, I need an adventure. And this is it. This is what I know how to do. It's so simple. And I don't want to do it for myself. I want, I want you to have the following. But it is good for me to read your words because I can only get, I can only be better and I can only grow, to go up through your Holy Spirit. And I ask that for anybody who hears these words, not to listen to what I say, but to listen to what you say and who you are. That's my prayer. I pray for spiritual discernment that anything said will glorify you and push people to think about who you are and for them to make you their Lord and Savior. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Yes, Deuteronomy 12. So in Gill's exposition on Bible Hub, it says, In this chapter, orders are given to destroy all altars, pillars, groves, and images made for the worship of idols in the land of Canaan. Deuteronomy um, Deuteronomy 12, verse 1, And to bring all sacrifices and holy things unto the place which the Lord should choose for his habitation. So, obviously, this is a call for the Israelites to destroy all false worship and to concentrate on true worship. And that's what we're doing here. We want to focus on the true God, which is Yahweh, and we want to focus on his true Savior, his true Messiah, which is the blessed Lord Jesus Christ. And, yes, I think if you were listening in the prayer, if you're not completely zoned away from this reality, briefly, I did try to... So we have a, a men's group in our church and being led by yours truly. And of course, I'm just praying and trusting because I don't feel like a leader. But it just kind of fell on me just through circumstances. And I realized that, you know, to say trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and to say all these things, it's wonderful to say, but it's hard to do. And this is God's practicum for me. So we had a nice breakfast. The men love the breakfast at this place we go to. And then we went back to the church and we outlined what we would like to do to have a meeting after every breakfast, which is monthly. And I tried to sell them on the idea of a podcast. We have some guys here. They're hungry for God's word. They want to disseminate the, uh, the scriptures. They want to um, go through a book called The Measure of a Man by Gene A. Getz. So he wrote this book in the 70s. He has a website on and he's a godly Christian pastor. And they want to go through this book. And I kind of tried to sell them the idea of the podcast. Let's do a Let's podcast this. Let's get this out. We're not here to promote ourselves. We're not here to get a following. But I tried to sell them on the idea. There may be somebody out there. There may be a dude out there who's isolated, who doesn't know about Jesus, who's been thinking about this. The circumstances are maybe he's divorced. Maybe his wife died. Maybe he's older. Maybe his kids have gone out. Maybe he's a young guy. He doesn't know what to do with himself. There's a lot of, as Mark Driscoll said, a lot of NILFs not in the labor force. Young guys who are just not stepping up, not getting married, just playing video games. There's nothing to hope for. There's no adventure because men are losing academically. The testosterone is going down in the health because of all the chemicals and additives in the food. Like if I were the devil, what would I do? Let's see. God's hierarchy 
Is God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, man, women, children, family? I don't know. Let's destroy the man. Let's disconnect man from God and let's dis disconnect man from um, woman and children. Let's do that. Let's create, um, you know, families with one parent. Let's let's make let's 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 promote this hyper feminization. Let's do that. Let's destroy family togetherness. Let's destroy um, the authority of men. We we'll keep them responsible. They have to go out and make the money, but let's get rid of their authority. We don't need them. We don't need men. We don't need to be married. We don't need to do this anymore. That's what the devil is doing. And you know what? He's beginning to win. He's crushing the society. I just look at the Bible. I look at the things we're saying. And I think to myself, Jesus is the greatest social scientist that ever walked the face of the earth. He knew exactly what relationship should be in Christ. He was the image of God. Man to God, man to his fellow man, man to his wife and children, and finally man to himself. If you hate yourself, if you are empty, if the Holy Spirit is not filling your heart with robustness, if you're not connected to God, and if you're not connected to the God of love, the true God, the benevolent God, the Father of all gifts from above, how can you tell people about love how can you give away what you don't have? That's what the devil does. He's disconnect, he's decay, he's depression, he's emptiness, he's forlornness, he's devastation, he's death. And death is the absence of life and love and fullness. It's emptiness. It's a dead husk. It's a dead carcass. This is where the devil is taking this world. He hates God and he hates man because man was created for God, by God, to be in eternal communion with God. And, if, and he gave that away, so he's trying to take it away from us. Don't let him. Please. Let's read Deuteronomy 12. The Lord's chosen place for worship. These are the decrees and regulations you must be careful to obey when you live in the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. You must obey them as long as you live. When you drive out the nations that live there, you must destroy all the places where they worship their gods, high on the mountains, up on the hills, and under every green tree. Break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars, burn their Asherah poles, and cut down their carved idols. Completely erase the name of their gods. What's an Asherah? Is it like a female god? Is it like a tree? You know, I've heard so many debates. Like, I heard this before, but I'm still hearing it now that the Christmas tree is pagan. And you go, wait, 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 wait a minute. The Christmas tree is about celebrating Christmas and Jesus. And hey, you know what? Everybody's got to read the Bible and everybody's got to um, be accountable to their conscience, the Holy Spirit to God. Some people think that the Asherah is a tree, that Christmas trees are pagan, that paganism is corrupting Christianity. Okay. Some people say, okay, yes, it started with pagan roots, but it's actually Jesus taking back paganism and, 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 you know, using paganism to bring us back to the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's kind of like a different direction. But you know what? Every man has to be accountable to his own conscience. As it says in the end of Romans 14, to someone who thinks what to do is right but don't, doesn't do it, it's sin. So you have to decide. It's not my opinion. I really don't know. I had a Christmas tree. Um, in my life, when I was growing up, my mom, you know, would pull out that tree. It was like one of those crappy trees with, the, you know, the colors. It was a fake tree. 
And then we put it together and she danced around and she put all her decorations on it. She was as Christian as Christian can get. And yet when I got married, then we started, then we started hearing about this Asherah stuff and about Jeremiah 10, about cutting down a tree. And it's like, what, what is this? What, the Christmas tree is not good? And then we didn't have a tree for a while, but then, you know, our, my family broke up and then I hear that my ex has a tree and so maybe the kids wanted the tree, right? Like all our friends have a tree, why don't we have a tree? And then I go on the internet and there's this girl talking to the Christmas pagan. So you know what? You reconcile, you and God work it out because it's not anybody's opinion that you live by, you live by what God thinks. And in order to do that, you search your own heart and you figure out where you want to go on this. But I was really surprised when they were talking about Asherahs and trees. It's like, why is a tree such a bad deal? Like, what, what is there about the tree that's false? Is it, you know, the tree represents a cross. It represents the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It represents the tree of life. But the cross was like the tree of death. And when that guy got healed in the Bible, he said, I see men like trees walking around. Like, how does a blind guy know what a tree looks like? I don't get it, but it's like the tree has got something to do with the crucifixion, the tree, it says Jesus was crucified on a tree, you right? The tree is like a sword, you know, it looks like a sword. So I have no idea why trees are bad deals because this Asherah thing is supposed to be a tree. Maybe, maybe somebody looked at a tree and said, God is, God is a tree. I remember driving by these people and they were like under a tree and they were like dancing around. Like I'm talking like 10 years ago and I'm like, are they worshiping that thing? Are they just doing yoga under there? What do they do in there? Like why there at the corner of, you know, I'm driving the car through the intersection and it's like a busy intersection and they're by this tree. I don't know if it was just people doing yoga under the same tree. I don't know if what they were worshiping the tree. I have no idea. I am not familiar with any kind of tree-based religions, <laughs> but I have heard a lot about this Asherah stuff and poles. And it seems to groves, poles, idols, you know, it seems to represent idolatry. And it does say in Galatians, it says Christ was cursed because the Bible said in the Old Testament, cursed is anyone who dies on a tree, right? And yet Jesus died on a tree. He was cursed, but because of him dying on the cross, if you are a believer, your sins have been covered and totally blown away. Maybe that's like, well, that's why the Jewish people don't like Jesus because to them, it's another nail in the coffin why he's pagan. They don't believe that he's the son of God. Burn their Asherah poles and cut down their carved idols. Completely erase the names of their gods. Verse four, do not worship the Lord your God in the way these pagan peoples worship their gods. Rather, you must seek the Lord your God at the place of worship he himself will choose from among all the tribes. Did God create a story in the beginning and then the pagan people used elements of that story and then Christianity is, is um, sort of rescuing that story? Because I don't know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Paganism and then Christianity or Christianity and then paganism and then Christianity sort of saying no, you know, because there's a lot of stories about a woman giving birth to a God, right? So we have Mary giving birth to the God man, Jesus. Right? And they, people say, that's pagan. Well, wait a second. Maybe, the, maybe that was a story in the, in the beginning in Genesis. God said, I'm going to send somebody born of a woman who's going to crush the head of the serpent. Right? So everybody thinks, hey, you know what? Uh, that's that's going to be me. All the women thought, I'm going to have that Messiah child. And then the pagans say, hey, that's our guy. <laughs> that's how we're going to do things too. I have no idea, folks. There's just so much roundabout stuff. I'm not a student of history, but I just find this really, really odd. 
all this talk about idols and trees and false worship and stuff like that. And God seems to be against them. He seems to be against poles or trees or something very high that's near the place of worship. Yet they put that, remember that snake? Remember the people in Israel got sick? And, 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 and God says to Moses, okay, set this pole up and put this snake on there. And so people will have to turn around and look at the snake. And the guy said, you know, they all had to turn around and look at the snake, but they, most people couldn't see it. It was too far away. So they had to look into the direction of the pole and the snake by faith because that represented Jesus clearing away the sins just like it represented in the Old Testament story that when you looked in the direction of that thing that you could not see but only by faith, you were healed from the sickness of the snakes biting you. And of course we know the serpent represents the devil. It represents sin and disease, right? Sin is a spiritual sickness. It's an anti-relational act. It's where you put your will in front of God's will. It kind of makes sense to me, even though it seems convoluted and cluttered at the same time. Do not worship the Lord your God in the way these pagan peoples worship their gods. Rather, you must seek the Lord your God at the place of worship. He himself will choose from among all the tribes, the place where his name will be honored. His name is honored. God will pick the place. He will pick the location. And he picked the man. Jesus is the man. Jesus is the man God picked. He didn't pick others. He, he picked prophets, but they were just symbols of Jesus. There you will bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your sacred offerings, your offerings to fulfill a vow, your voluntary offerings and your offerings of the firstborn animals of your herds and flocks. There you and your families will feast in the presence of the Lord your God and you will rejoice in all you have accomplished because the Lord your God has blessed you. Your pattern of worship will change. Today, all of you are doing as you please because you have not yet arrived at the place of rest, the land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession. But you will soon cross the Jordan River and live in the land the Lord your God is giving you. When he gives you rest from all your enemies and you're living safely in the land, you must bring everything I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your sacred offerings, and your offerings to fulfill a vow. To the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. You must celebrate there in the presence of the Lord your God with your sons and daughters and all your servants. And remember to include the Levites who live in your towns, for they will receive no allotment of land among you. Be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings just anywhere you like. You may do so only at the place the Lord will choose within one of your tribal territories. There you must offer your burnt offerings and do everything I command you. Remember when the woman said to Jesus, um, you know, about some other mountain, and he said, there's coming a time when the Lord, the God will look for people who worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Like it's not just the location anymore, it's who, who it is. It's in spirit and in truth, and the spirit is everywhere. So when we're talking about these different places and God's appointing a certain place, to me, this, to me, I'm, this is my opinion. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. It's just my opinion. You are entitled to disagree with me. I think that this is a way of God saying, you're not allowed to decide how you want to worship God. He's deciding how he wants to be worshiped and he, does, he is deciding who he wants to be worshiped through. We have a lot of different 
ideas and religions about how God should be worshipped and the running narrative of the world is it doesn't matter, all roads lead to God. Do they? To say that this road doesn't lead to God and this road does lead to God is insulting to people. But God says the narrow path, not the broad path. It does sound like exclusionary. The world says my truth, your truth, it's all relative. Christians say there's an absolute truth and that does not sit well with other people. But what I am saying is this passage in the Bible seems to suggest to me that God picks how the place, the person, and the methods by which you worship Him. And as a Christian, I believe and I feel that God has picked Jesus to be the one you worship to approach God. Jesus was sinless, He never sinned. You can only approach God if you're sinless. None of us are sinless. All have come short of the glory of God. And the only way to approach a sinless God and be in His sinless presence is to be sinless. And that means being justified and sanctified by the sinless Son of God, which is Jesus the Lord and Savior, who died for our sins. I don't think that's a popular opinion. Maybe I'm crazy. Verse 15, but you may butcher your animals and eat their meat in any town wherever you want. You may freely eat the animals with which the Lord your God blesses you. All of you, whether ceremonially clean or unclean, may eat that meat just as you now eat gazelle and deer. But you must not eat the blood. You must pour it out on the ground like water. So it's almost like God gives them, you know how he gave them these rules about clean and unclean meats? I don't know, maybe I'm misinterpreting this wrong, but it just says it's not the meat. Like it's not, it's not the animal, right? But, but then he says, don't touch the blood. It says that in Acts 15, Acts 21. Don't touch the blood, right? I don't want you to eat things that are strangled. As if some, there's something about the blood that's sacred. And we know that the life is in the blood. And it's like talking about eating, but don't eat the blood. But it's also spiritually like the only person who can cleanse us is Jesus. He gave his blood to cleanse us. Right? Him like You think, how does a guy dying and spilling his blood, how does that cleanse us? because he's the perfect lamb. He's the lamb, the, the sinless lamb. He's the sacrifice that God wanted to appease the wrath of God against sin. God has a controversy with sin. And when he comes out of the sky, if you have sin, we will always have sin, I think. This is my opinion, right? You'll never be truly 100% clear of brokenness. But, but Jesus as your savior, the brokenness, I think you sin less and less. I, that's my personal opinion, and I think you sin less and less. The sin that you do have is covered by Jesus. If you sin deliberately and willfully, I think the Bible says there, there remains no more sacrifice for you. Like as you sin, it gets easier to sin, and you have to mortify the deeds of the flesh. You have to get control of that, and you can't, but the Holy Spirit living in you can. But you have to, you're the one that he works through. It's not like you're a puppet of the Holy Spirit, but he's definitely controlling you. There's only one there's only one seat inside of you. It's the seat for you or God. You can't you can't share the throne in you. Either God is in that seat of control inside your mind or you are.
but you may not eat your offerings in your hometown, um, neither the tithe of your grain and new wine and olive oil, nor the firstborn of your flocks and herds, nor any offering to fulfill a vow, nor your voluntary offerings, nor your sacred offerings. You must eat these in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose. Eat them there with your children, your servants, and the Levites who live in your town, celebrating in the presence of the Lord your God in all you do. And be very careful never to neglect the Levites as long as you live in your land. It's like, in one way, the meat really doesn't have anything to do with controlling sin. But in a way, it's like the, the symbol of the blood, the symbol of the cleansing, you know. That's the symbol that God is trying to show us to make us respect the Lord Jesus. He didn't die for nothing. There was a purpose. That purpose was to rescue us. It seems almost counterintuitive. How do you, how do you give life in death? Well, I can tell you something. Only God can do this. I don't think anybody could have made up a story like this. Nobody would have seen this. If there was really no God, but somehow just somebody managed to cobble together, why would they be talking about sin? Because our sins are like invisible to us. We don't see it. It's part of us. Why, who, how would we know what sin was unless God had pointed it out to us? Verse 20, when the Lord your God expands your territory as he has promised, and you have the urge to eat meat, you may freely eat whatever you want. It might happen the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, is a long way from your home. If so, you may butcher any of the cattle, sheep, or goats the Lord has given you, and you may freely eat the meat in your hometown as I have commanded you. Anyone, whether ceremonially clean or unclean, may eat their meat just as you now do with gazelle and deer. But never eat the blood, for the blood is the life, and you must not eat the lifeblood with the meat. I mean, speaking on purely a physiological earth level, you know, and I've said this before, so I know I may sound like a broken record. They say if you, if you have the kill the animal with the blood and you cook the animal, you may ingest some of the adrenal corticoid, some of the uh, adrenaline-like compounds the animal released when it knew it was about to die. That being said, I just eat regular meat. I can't afford kosher, and I think kosher is more expensive. And I know that there's kosher around um, in the other town I used to live in, but I don't know of any kosher around here. So I used to wonder, am I committing a sin, Lord? Am I committing a sin by eating meat that's just been prepared and it's like a sirloin steak that you buy or like lean ground beef, right? The answer is, I don't think so. I hope not. And I think the Lord Jesus understands my finances and my circumstances. And I think that I'm not using grace to do what is wrong, but I think that it is okay. But I'm saying that for me. I cannot make um, judgments for yourself. Verse 23, but never eat the blood. Okay. Uh, for the blood is the life. You must not eat the life blood with meat. Instead, pour out your blood on the ground like water. Do not eat the blood so that all may go well with you and your children after you because you will be doing what pleases the Lord. Isn't it funny how when um, Cain killed Abel, God said his blood cries out to me for the ground as if the blood represented the sins? Like you've done an injustice and nobody can see it, but I can see it because the blood is sort of an indictment against you. We're talking about blood, sins, indictments, cleansing, cleansing the indictment. Sin is kind of an indictment of God against us, but, but God sent Jesus to clear that indictment if you believe in Jesus. It, it all makes sense to me, even though I feel like I'm trying to think about this stuff and it's like, am I speaking correct here? Mind blown. Maybe I'm going down a dark path. So I could say, please forgive. 
Think about it for yourself. You and Jesus work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Bible as the Word of God. And I believe in prayer. It says pray without ceasing. Because when you pray without ceasing, um, you're protected from the enemy. I was reading William Barclay. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of William. This man is so good with words. Man, he is so, so gifted with words. And he was quoting somebody who says, when you're praying to God, you're safe from the enemy. The enemy can't talk to you. He can't put negative thoughts in your head because you and God are in communication. Right? That, 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 tunnel, is, that tunnel is on. You're in the tunnel with God. You're protected from the devil. Just keep talking to God. Pray without ceasing. Things are bothering you, just stop, drop, and pray. Even if you're driving your car, don't close your eyes. Just say, Lord, I got to talk to you right now. I see something that's really making me angry. Please help me. Lord, I'm very upset by what just happened. I, I, I hate being upset. Can I give you the negative emotions? Please give me your peace. It says that God hears you from heaven. Your prayers are a sweet aroma to God. And he will grant your prayer if it, if it glorifies the Father and the Son. If you are asking God to make you better and forgive you, and to give you positive emotions and you're swapping your negative ones because God can crush your negative emotions. I think that glorifies God. He will do it. He will do it. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Lord, I'll take it. Lord, I'll take anything you want to give me. Verse 26, take your sacred gifts and your offerings given to fulfill a vow to the place the Lord chooses. You must offer the meat and blood of your burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord your God. The blood of your other sacrifices must be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God, but you may eat the meat. Be careful to obey all my commands so that all will go well with you and your children after you, because you will be doing what is good and pleasing to the Lord your God. God is using all of this to, to for me, I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. God is using all this to symbolize that we have the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb, and his blood poured out for us appeases God's wrath and that we have rest and peace with God. We are, we are rest with God. We are at peace with God. We are in alignment with God. Verse 29, when the Lord your God goes ahead of you and destroys the nations and you drive them out and live in their land, do not fall into the trap of following their customs and worshiping their gods. Do not inquire about their gods, saying, how do these nations worship their gods? I want to follow their example. You must not worship the Lord your God the way the other nations worship their gods. God wants you to worship him his way with his son on his terms. That being said, people have different styles of worship. Some people have hymns. Some people have praise music. There's differences between Christians. You know what? You got to work it out for yourself. I mean, when I was before, I was in a church with all these old hymns, and we had didn't have praise music in the church. Like that, that's not even allowed. Drums were not allowed. Then they started bringing in drums, right? And then I went to then I went to the Baptist church, and the Baptist was like they don't even really do a lot of the old time hymns sometimes. And I thought this is kind of like I can't. I, I always like what I don't have, right? If I get all hymns and I get dissatisfied, I want praise music. If I go to a church with all praise music, I'm like dissatisfied, I want them to play some hymns. You know what? If you go to a great church and they do everything right except play the kind of music you want, then you know what? Let them play the hymns, let them play the praise music, and then you come home, uh, you get on YouTube and you play the hymns. I got a hymn playlist and I get up in the morning and I play these great old hymns. 
and some praise music and that's that's how i go to the gym i need a minute when i get up in the morning i can't just fly out of bed i need a minute and i need to hear that music to sort of get me going make me feel po- i need to be positive i need to walk out of this place at six o'clock in the morning and i need to be positive i need to have my heart filled lord i'm going on an adventure we're on an adventure here this is what we're doing i need an adventure you need an adventure that's why you're listening what are you going to do where are you going to go for the words of life a- any place in this world to go i love star trek i love star wars i love movies i love marvel superheroes i love all this stuff but you know what it's all kind of old sometimes it's the same old thing it's a movie it's not totally real it's got a good lesson you need what's real okay christianity this is not just a job folks it's an adventure it's the adventure of a lifetime it's an epic it's your eternity death is not your final um doorstop i want to live when the lord jesus christ comes out of that sky i want to go wherever he is it says you'll go to be with the lord whether you die before that day or whether you get to that day i don't know only he knows but to know him is an adventure it's the adventure of a lifetime i can't speak for the ladies because i'm a man men need an adventure they need something to fight for but something good not to fight each other but they need a cause to fight for they need hope to fight for and that's what these dudes need in the men's group that i'm in and i told them so this is not to exalt us this is not for our opinions to bludgeon other people we're just human beings we're just sinners it's to promote and exalt the blessed lord jesus christ it says here um you can't worship the lord your god the way the other nations worship their gods they even burn their sons and daughters as sacrifices to their gods horrible our young people need to know they're valued but they need to also know that there's a god for them too they need to be in church how do we pass the gauntlet on if they're not there to accept it so be careful to obey all the commands i give you you must not add anything to them or subtract anything from them that's what it says in the last book of the bible revelation i've gone too long apologies god bless talk to you soon